Support for The Molly Fool and Industry Focus comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans, who are excited to introduce their all-new Rate Shield approval. If you're in the market to buy a home, Rate Shield approval is a real game-changer, and here's why. First, Quicken Loans will lock your rate for up to 90 days while you shop. But here's the crucial part. If rates go up, your rate stays the same. But if rates go down, your rate also drops. Either way, you win. It's the kind of thinking you'd expect from America's largest mortgage lender. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com fool. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. I'm your host, Vincent Shen. It's Tuesday, October 23rd. We've got bankruptcies on our mind today. Fools following the official announcement from Sears last week that the company would be entering Chapter 11 reorganization proceedings. So on tap for the show will be a look at what options Sears has going forward and how this latest retail casualty will affect some of the big peers in the industry. For this discussion, uh, I'm enlisting the help of senior Molly Fool contributor Adam Levine Weinberg, who's joining us via Skype from Sacramento, California. Hey, Adam, it's been too long, man. How's it going? Good. How are you, Vince? Thanks for hopping on today. Uh, I'm good. I'm excited for this discussion. I think we have some cool tidbits to discuss, and this is uh, a pretty big story, I think, in retail. Um, and it was also just great catching up with you in person earlier this month. I'm glad you reached out to me to cover. Uh, you know everything going on with Sears Holdings and the the bankruptcy fallout. Essentially, um, I think this is news that most investors have been expecting for a few years now. We've certainly seen a lot of coverage and headlines uh, pointing towards the um, seemingly inevitable bankruptcy for this company. Um, for each sale of assets, uh, for each debt restructuring, each round of store closures, or whatever reorganization scene, uh, it was pretty much a delay of what. Uh, we were building towards, um, but this is still uh, an over 125-year-old company uh, with a really amazing history in the United States. So even though the current business is just barely a shadow of its former self, uh, Sears was at one point the biggest retailer on the planet, not just in the country. So I think that's important uh, context to have um, in mind as you talk about what's likely to happen to the remaining shell of the Sears empire, which still includes several hundred Sears and Kmart locations. So why don't you start us off, Adam? Uh, we don't have nearly enough time to go over the full history of the company, but for any listeners who have been following Sears or its stock as closely, um, can you basically lay out the path that Sears has taken under its current leadership that resulted in this bankruptcy filing? Um, I think most people would agree that this later chapter, uh, this latest chapter in Sears history, began with the Kmart and Sears merger back in 2005. So, what's basically happened since then? That's right. Uh, so. Sears and Kmart were both struggling prior to that merger, which happened in 2005. And Kmart, in fact, had uh, had just gone through a bankruptcy uh, of its own. And during that bankruptcy, a hedge fund manager named Eddie Lampert uh, took over control of the company, uh, became its chairman and largest, largest shareholder. And he used uh, that position to push for their merger with Sears to take over Sears as well. Um, when you combined those two companies back in 2005, they had annual revenue of more than $50 billion. Uh, and at the time, there were uh, several other retailers that were slightly ahead of, of Sears Holdings, um, but Walmart was the only company uh, retailer in the world that was significantly larger uh, in terms of total sales. I mean, back then, Amazon was really just a, a bookstore that also sold some CDs and DVDs and not much else. Uh, and, and Sears Holdings was a major force in the U.S. retail industry. Um, the idea behind the merger was that Lampert first hoped to cut costs, uh, these two struggling retailers, by combining them and finding efficiencies. And also, he felt that uh, 
people were flocking towards these big box stores that were in more convenient locations、um, rather than malls, and that's a trend that we actually have con- continued to see over the past 15 years. And Lamper thought that Kmart had these much better, more convenient locations,、uh, but it didn't have the products that were going to get people in the door. So we thought putting the really powerhouse brands from Sears, like、uh, Kenmore Appliances, Craftsman Tools, Die Hard Batteries,、uh, even Lands End、uh, for clothing, would putting those into Kmart stores. Would help get more people into to Kmart, and、uh, he even thought about changing some of the Kmart stores' whole name to Sears.、Um, and the idea was really to take the Kmart real estate, the Sears brands,、uh, and legacy, and to create a stronger,、uh, more efficient retailer,、uh, and thereby hopefully boost profitability. He also actually realized that、uh, e-commerce was going to be a big deal before a lot of other people in, in, in the industry did.、Uh, So the problem wasn't that he was surprised by the growth of Amazon.com, but Lambert didn't have the right strategy for attacking it. He stopped spending a lot of money on store remodels because he didn't see stores、uh, as being really important to the future, and he didn't want to invest a lot of money in assets that he didn't think had a, a very long-term、uh, profitable future. But on the other hand, he wasn't willing to spend a huge amount of money that you really needed to spend to build up an e-commerce business, and so Sears and Kmart just kind of got stuck in this、uh, limbo, where they slowly lost their customer relevance. The stores didn't look very nice, and so people started gravitating towards other retailers. And meanwhile, the e-commerce site、um, wasn't、uh, compelling enough in terms of functionality, or especially in terms of pricing, to. Pull customers away from alternatives, and particularly from Amazon. And so the result is that you've seen huge revenue losses、uh, and customer losses over the past decade. And in fact,、uh, over the past 12 months, Sears and Kmart combined had revenue of just 14 billion dollars.、So、that's down more than 70 percent since the merger.、Uh, and the declines are just set to continue.、Um, just based even before the bankruptcy filing, Sears and Kmart were closing stores at a massive rate.、Um, And seeing comp sales declines that were together leading to a very rapid erosion of the revenue base. Yeah,、um, I, I was getting up to speed、uh, on everything that has happened at Sears. Just trying to get a、uh, a picture of all the initiatives and everything that's been tried in terms of、uh, these property spinoffs with the REIT, all these different things that management has tried in this you know decade plus long saga. And there's one tidbit. Uh, from a Wall Street Journal article that you shared with me, actually, and I, th- I think it kind of summed up some of the problems with this whole situation for me. So one of the article articles,、um, it highlighted that back in 2004,、uh, Lampert, he's running this successful hedge fund,、um, has billions of dollars in under his management, and a good chunk of that is his own riches. But even at its biggest,、um, the fund it was called ESL Investments had an estimated 35 employees, and Bringing together Kmart and Sears, as you mentioned, you know he was now at the head of this giant company, this giant retail force.、Uh, at the time, you know had a workforce of three hundred thousand people, over thirty five hundred stores, fifty、uh, five billion dollars in annual revenue when they first merged. So, Alan Lacy, he was serving as the CEO for this combined entity back in two thousand five, but it was ultimately Lampert in the chairman role. He was pulling a lot of the strings, and you have here someone with no experience operating. Uh, a retail business、uh, of any kind, let alone one of the largest chains in the country.、Um, so it's an interesting kind of、uh, a very stark contrast there in terms of that experience and what it led to. I think what you mentioned in terms of his、uh, f- his 
ability to predict and see that e-commerce would be a big part of the kind of retail environment in the future, but not pushing in the right ways to pursue that, for example, is a telling in terms of his experience and things along those lines. Um, and in my mind, uh, with for example, the state of the stores, um, I thought that was one of leadership's bigger mistakes in the first years after uh, the deal. Um, they, you know, they spent over six billion dollars from 2005 to uh, 2011 on share purchases. And on the other hand, in those same years, Sears spent about three point three billion dollars on capex on capital expenditures, so reinvesting in the company. So this is a time when large parts of the business there. Uh, they're in flux at this point, um, and management is returning capital to shareholders at twice the rate that they're reinvesting at the business. It's hard to kind of it's hard to justify that kind of that kind of move, um, and I think that was a real head scratcher for me. So before we move on, I, I want your take on like, what do you think uh, was some of the the biggest mistake or two that Sears made after Lampert took over? I think that the possibly the biggest mistake was uh, skimping on very basic uh, store maintenance things. Uh, there's been stories reported recently about Lampert uh, striking down proposals to spend a few million dollars improving store lighting. You know, He didn't see the return on investment. And in the short term, there may not have been anything to measure, but in the long term, when stores look bad, uh, people don't like the experience and don't come back. And once they don't come back, getting them Reacquiring customers is extremely, extremely difficult, and so that was just a case of penny wise, pound foolish. Um, and then the second thing was uh, was not using the opportunity to uh, of being one of the biggest retailers in the country to invest in e-commerce. You know that six billion dollars that was spent on on uh, share repurchases, if that had been devoted to funding some short-term losses to um, stand up a really big e-commerce um, operation, then you know what we could be seeing today would be a lot different. Sure. Uh, on the flip side of that, then um, I'm curious: was there anything that you think uh, management was right about, but it just wasn't enough to turn the tide for the company? Uh, I would say that management was right uh, in estimating that Sears had a huge number of, of valuable assets. Um, and you know that's part of why both Lampert and several of his uh, biggest allies invested in the company. And we've seen from all of the real estate that's been spun off, uh, other real estate and brands that have been sold, that there really was a ton of value inside Sears. Um, the problem was that uh, Lampert has spent the past 10 years searching for a turnaround in the retail business that never happened. And over that period of time, has burned just billions and billions of dollars of cash to the point where all of those assets um, were sold basically to fund current losses. Okay. All right. So we're going to round out our discussion of Sears' part in the story. Um, so this is a Chapter 11 bankruptcy. So the company, um, they want help dealing with their creditors, but Lampert does hope to emerge from uh, the, these proceedings with a kind of leaner, meaner business. Um, he's going to keep the chairman role, but he's going to step down as CEO. Uh, there's going to be a three-person committee replacing him in that CEO role. Um, the company has identified about 400 stores that they think are the best ones in the fleet, essentially. So, I'm curious, what do you think comes next, and how optimistic are you that Sears ultimately is able to survive this process? Well, many companies are able to emerge from Chapter 11. They use the bankruptcy process to negotiate down their debts and other liabilities, uh, maybe get some extra capital in, 
uh, and they are able to emerge and they have a, a viable long-term business. The problem for Sears is that high debt was not the only problem for the company right now, although it did have uh, too much debt on its books. The bigger issue was simply that it's been burning so much cash um, over a period of many years, uh, nearly $2 billion a year. And while some of that's related to, to interest on debt and pension contributions that it won't uh, probably have to be making in the future, um, some of it's related to um, closing stores uh, and losses related to that, I still don't see a realistic path to get from um, from $2 billion of annual cash burn to to break even, let alone profitability. And the fact that there are you know, supposedly 400 profitable stores that Lambert wants to rescue uh, doesn't necessarily mean that uh, as, a, as a collective that they can be profitable. What I mean by that is uh, each store may be making money inside of its four walls, but uh, you have to have a distribution infrastructure to support all of those stores. And if you want to keep sales even at current levels, let alone growing them, you need to invest in marketing on a, um, on a nationwide basis. And that's extremely expensive and something that Sears, in fact, has been pulling back on for many years, um, driving its recent sales declines. So I'm pretty skeptical, I would say, that um, even going from 1,000 stores at the beginning of 2018 to around 700 stores now, 400 stores by the end of the year, I'm, I'm pretty skeptical that that's going to uh, eliminate the losses, um, except maybe in the very short term, because the only way to to get costs down to the level necessary, uh, as far as I can see at least, would be to keep marketing spending at very close to zero. And if that happens, you're just going to see sales continue to erode uh, and profitability continue to erode. And so any improvements that would would be seen in 2019 um, would probably be gone by 2020. Yeah. Uh, ultimately, you have here um, this this chain where, or these two chains where same store sales have declined nine point two percent, seven point four percent, and thirteen point five percent in the past three years. You know, a lot of the marquee brands that Sears once sold exclusively attracted a lot of their customers. They've largely been pawned off, and uh, as you mentioned, Adam, you know, the reputation for the old for kind of having these older stores sometimes empty sh- shelves with the way they were managing the inventory at very thin levels, a service that wasn't what it used to be. Once you've allowed your brand, your image to deteriorate to these kinds of lows, I think you're gonna have a really hard time um, making the case that any portfolio of even the best performing locations will be able to survive for very long. Uh, not you know that doesn't even include all the financial struggles that they're having to. So next up, we're gonna talk about the opportunities then for competitors to essentially pick up market share in the wake of Sears bankruptcy. Support for The Molly Fool and Industry Focus comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Let's talk about buying a home for a minute. Because of rising interest rates, there's a lot of unpredictability when it comes to buying a home these days. It's causing a lot of anxiety for people. Well, our friends at Quicken Loans are doing something about that. They're calling it the power buying process. Here's how it works. Quicken Loans will verify your income, assets, and credit in less than 24 hours to give you a verified approval. That gives you the strength of a cash buyer. Then, once you're verified, you qualify for their all-new exclusive rate shield approval. First, they'll lock your rate for up to 90 days while you shop. Now, here's the best part. If rates go up, your rate stays the same. But if rates go down, your rate also drops. Either way, you win. It's the kind of thinking you'd expect from America's largest mortgage lender. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com fool. That's rocketmortgage.com fool. 
Rate shield approval only valid on certain 30-year purchase transactions. Additional conditions or exclusions may apply based on Quicken Loans data in comparison to public data records. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states. NMLSConsumeraccess.org number 3030. So, Adam, despite the poor state of Sears business recently, um, you mentioned this early in the show. The company still generated over $14 billion of revenue in the trailing 12-month period. And of that, over $11 billion was in merchandise sales. That further breaks down into three categories. So, hard lines, apparel and soft home, and food and drug. So, hard lines is the biggest at about 55% of merchandise sales in the past year. So, that includes everything from appliances to electronics, tools, uh, sporting goods and toys. Apparel and soft home came in at about 32% of merchandise revenue, and then food and drug made up the remaining 13%. So, in that context, what are the biggest opportunities then for competitors to uh, to come in, kind of poach this business that's going to be left open by Sears, and and who's best positioned to do that? Well, for the just starting backwards. Um, if you look at the food and drug sales, uh, it's gotten to the point where it's so low um, and it's such a big category. I don't expect um, the under $2 billion of sales that uh, Sears did there last year to have any meaningful impact as it gets split up amongst um, probably dozens of other retailers. Even in the apparel and soft home um, part of the business, I don't see uh, a really needle-moving impact um, that's again. It was 4.3 billion dollars in 2017, uh, even before the bankruptcy. Just based on the rate of sales decline in the first half of the of 2018, it was about uh, on track to decline to around 3 billion dollars, and that's also going to get split up amongst uh, quite a large number of companies. The one uh, exception I would say there is J.C. Penney, uh, which is arguably Sears' closest competitor in terms of a mall-based department store that. Um, caters to more of a moderate income consumer. Uh, and so I could definitely see JCPenney picking up a good chunk of uh, of the sales from Sears in that department. And since JCPenney is also a relatively small company compared to some of the behemoths that the two companies compete with, uh, that could have a enough of a, an impact on JCPenney's sales to be noticeable. That said, the biggest opportunities for competitors will really be in the hard lines categories where Sears was strongest, and particularly uh, appliances, tools, and mattresses stand out. So, uh, given those categories, Lowe's definitely seems like it could be the biggest winner here, especially on a pure volume level. Uh, First of all, Lowe's is the biggest appliance seller uh, in the country, and so it should naturally be able to get a very good share of the appliance sales that Sears has been getting. And even after all of its uh, recent sales declines, Sears is still the number four appliance retailer in the United States. Additionally, Lowe's began selling Craftsman tools um, just earlier this year. Now, Craftsman's a brand that for many, many years was exclusive to Sears Holdings and uh, was only sold in a few places other than Sears and Kmart. Uh, East Hardware is one example. And now that it's available in Lowe's, one of the two big home uh, improvement retailers, that should really boost sales of the Craftsman brand. Um, And as people have less and less ability to buy Craftsman tools at Sears because Sears stores are are closing, then you're going to see more of that business probably go to, to Lowe's in particular. Home Depot, obviously, is also likely to be a winner here. It's the number two um, appliance retailer in the country. It's also uh, the biggest 
tool seller. And so even though Home Depot isn't selling Craftsman yet, um, they certainly might uh, begin carrying a Craftsman line in the near future. And even without Craftsman, they have lots of other tool brands that can potentially take market share in that area uh, from Sears. Lowe's and Home Depot should also benefit in lawn and garden. Uh, That's another area where Sears uh, has done a lot of business. There's a Craftsman line of um, lawn mowers, snow blowers, uh, things like that, um, which Lowe's and Home Depot will hopefully be able to capitalize on. Um, Looking a little further down the list, Best Buy uh, overtook Sears as the number three appliance retailer in the U.S. uh, a year or two ago. And so Best Buy clearly has been profiting from uh, from Sears' troubles, and I expect that to continue. Best Buy also has an opportunity in electronics. Um, electronics has not been a big business for Sears and Kmart recently, uh, but they do have uh, some sales there, and Best Buy is really the category killer in that, um, you know, in that merchandise category right now. Um, looking at JCPenney, JCPenney added an appliance business uh, in 2016, and they've had mixed success there. Uh, in the first two years or so, JCPenney did build up a, a meaningful business um, by JCPenney standards. Um, probably about 2% of the company's revenue came from appliances by the end of last year. Uh, but that sales growth has really stagnated in 2018. The company just got a new CEO. And uh, so Jill Soltow, the new CEO, is really going to have to decide how much to invest in trying to reinvigorate growth in appliances. Um, if JCPenney is willing to offer some big discounts and promotions to try to draw in those last Sears customers, uh, that that could be another big area of growth for JCPenney. Uh, but it's also very possible that JCPenney will pivot back towards its roots, um, focusing more on the apparel and home type of goods. You know, Adam, I, w- I saw the article that you published last week uh, where you made the case um, that you know Sears bankruptcy, it could be uh, one of the better chances that JCPenney has to maybe add a little bit of momentum to its recovery. Um, you had a great data point I saw on how of the 200-plus Sears locations that are closed or being closed, uh, JCPenney had, I think, 150 locations um, of its own stores basically located in the same mall as the Sears closure or close by. Um, so, for... Um, these kind of fellow anchor stores. So another one that comes to mind is Macy's, um, where they share a lot of real estate with Sears in these shopping malls. What do you think comes next for them as these stores close? That's a great question. So in the short term, I think it's mixed. Uh, on the one hand, having a, a big empty anchor space could potentially depress mall traffic a little bit. That said, Sears has been doing so poorly in recent years that I don't think it's really driving very much of the traffic to the mall. Um, And on the flip side, you're suddenly losing a competitor. And so that should allow JCPenney and Macy's to hopefully uh, gain a little bit of market share in uh, each mall and trade area where Sears is closing. Longer term, I think the effect is much more positive. You're seeing uh, mall owners become very, very creative in terms of repurposing the space that had been used by department stores, which are now closing, um, and particularly of Sears. And a lot of this, the Sears real estate is actually quite good. It's just that Sears didn't have a good way of using it. Um, if you replace a Sears store with a combination of, let's say, a movie theater, uh, an entertainment center, some restaurants, uh, maybe a gym, um, 
those are all concepts that aren't competing with department stores in terms of you know what they're selling. They're they're more service concepts, um, and they're going to drive a lot more traffic to the mall than than Sears has been. And so that could really help JCPenney and Macy's in terms of getting more customers nearby. Once people are at the mall, maybe they'll go and shop the other stores there. Okay, and. Any other players then in your mind that you think you know, you've, we've talked about uh, Lowe's and Home Depot on appliances, Best Buy on appliances, kind of the effect in malls uh, with these fellow anchor stores, Macy's and JCPenney. Anybody else you think with the fallout for Sears, all the store closures, do you think kind of might ha- be able to grab a piece of the pie in the void left by Sears and Kmart? Well, my sleeper pick for the appliance business is Costco. Uh, if you look back just three years, Costco had annual appliance sales of $50 million. It was really not a major player there at all. And that uh, grew 10 times by um, the 2018 fiscal year, which just ended, uh, according to Costco's CFO. So Costco is now up to $500 million of annual appliance sales. And that is largely because uh, appliance makers have realized that Costco has this huge base of quite wealthy customers. Um, and uh, you know, has this sort of captive audience, and they're looking for for ways to expand the distribution uh, with some of their uh, major appliance retailers, particularly Sears, struggling. And so, I don't expect Costco to go from five hundred million dollars to five billion dollars in three years, but I would uh, would certainly expect them to at least double their sales um, over the next couple of years if Sears um, continues to shrink or even goes out of business entirely. Um, in terms of other categories, uh, mattresses is one thing that we didn't really get to talk about. Um, I think that Macy's could be really well positioned to pick up some of Sears' mattress business. Um, it's already one of the largest mattress retailers in the country, and uh, Mattress Firm, which is the top mattress seller in the U.S., uh, recently filed for bankruptcy, or its parent company filed for bankruptcy, and so Mattress Firm is going to be closing up to 20% of its stores in the uh, coming months and years. And that could definitely lead to a market share opportunity for Macy's. All right. So we have another minute uh, or two. Uh, I want to close out on this this thought or this discussion since we've kind of discussed uh, the the positives or the tailwind that this bankruptcy could have for some of the competitors. Um, we also know that Lampert he's closing all these stores. Um, some previously planned, planned, others part of the bankruptcy proceedings. So as these Sears and Kmart's they close their doors. Um, a lot of them, they're going to have kind of liquidation sales, big promotions to clear out any remaining inventory. I'm curious, given the time of year, since we're about a month out from Black Friday, we're getting into the holiday shopping season. Do you think that this extra promotional activity um, from these Sears closeouts, these Kmart closeouts, might end up putting a damper at all on the holiday quarters for companies like Lowe's or Best Buy or Macy's or JCPenney, just because of the timing of all this stuff happening? That's a great question. I don't think so. Uh, first of all, Sears has been having trouble recently uh, getting inventory. That's reportedly one of the reasons why it filed for bankruptcy when it did. Uh, a lot of vendors had stopped shipments to the company. And so it doesn't have as much inventory to blow through as um, as many companies would after filing for bankruptcy. And, and also, I should add that at the moment, it's only closing 142 stores um, by the end of the year, which is uh, about 
uh, a fifth of its total. So the amount of clearance that it's actually doing is really pretty small compared to the total amount of sales you're going to see in the United States over the holiday season. So I would really be pretty surprised if it has a, a measurable effect on any of its competitors. Okay, and I'm sure that's something that if there is an effect, especially in more maybe localized areas with certain competitors, that might be something that those management teams bring up in their own earnings calls, talking about the results for the holidays. Um, that wraps up our show for today. Adam, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me on the show. Fools, thank you for tuning in. People in the program may own companies discussed in the show, and the Molly Fool may have formal recommendations for against any stocks mentioned. So don't buy or sell anything based only on what you hear during the program. Full on. Thank you.